we have normalized period pain and why is that and i feel like even for me it took me so long to work on my own period because i feel like i had normalized my period pain you know i had just taken as something that i need to suffer through every month and instead you know even my education in chinese medicine school it's like yeah if you're you know your your period shouldn't be like that Hey there, this is Pussy Empowered Podcast, and I'm your host, Alyssa Aparicio. I'm equal parts Bronx bitch and mountain witch, long hair, don't care, Spice Girls fanatic. I'm a pussy empowerer and sacred erotic performer. I believe that when you untame your pussy, you access your power. I teach women how to do this with a holistic approach that incorporates mind, body, emotion, and spirit. When I say that I share a holistic approach to pussy power, I mean that when it comes to empowerment, I'm interested in the whole picture. Mental, physical, emotional health are an important part of this conversation, which is why you're about to hear a chat with Deanna Ahigian, founder of Indigo Elixirs, licensed acupuncturist and diplomat of traditional Chinese medicine. In this convo, we address empowering ways of honoring your body by being aware of what goes in and on it ending the normalization of menstrual suffering, and the importance of finding balance that works for you. As you listen, I invite you not to let these ideas activate shame in regards to your own habits, but instead it's my intention to engage you to examine your relationship with your body and your own personal needs. Enjoy. Hi. Yeah. Hi. How's it going? I'm so happy that you're here. I'm excited to have this conversation today about... Adornment, Herbalism, and Balance with Deanna. I'm going to introduce you first, Deanna. So um, I'm so excited. This is Deanna Rose Ahigian, who is the founder and CEO of Indigo Elixirs, which is a medicinal and beauty line of products based here in, in Oahu. Um, it is all made with local ingredients, and Deanna's also an herbalist and diplomat, diplomat, a licensed herbalist and diplomat yeah. of Chinese medicine. So I'm really excited to have you here and to talk about uh, these topics that we don't always think about as um, feminist topics, but I do believe are really important um, when it comes to pussy empowerment just what we put on and inside of our bodies, I think is just as important as, um, as all of the other things that we talk about in this, in this realm. But, um, and when it comes to, I think that these things of adorn these, uh, these sides of adornment can be either empowering or disempowering. And that's what I wanted to, to bring you on here. So I'm excited we get to talk about this today. It's something that we, um, have talked about a bit um, in regards to reproductive health. And um, so, yeah, that's where we're going to take this conversation today. Deanna, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Thank um, you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about a few of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah. So this is just going to be a, con a candid conversation. We're going to take it where it goes. Mm -hmm. um, and let's see, where did I want to start? So you also, I would love if you could just share a little bit about how you got to this path because you also grew up on the east coast like me 
Um, mm-hmm. And I'm from New York. And like when I was growing up, I barely even knew that like I didn't even I didn't believe in um, like constellations because I could barely see the stars. Like I, w- I was not related <laughs> to nature in any way. I was totally detached from nature. And I'm curious if that's kind of where you started from or like how what was your background that got you to a place where you started relating to plants and um and taking a more natural path so yeah yeah so I grew up in Massachusetts a fellow east coaster and I um you know I definitely get what you're saying there I feel like the culture that I grew up in wasn't specifically into health or natural medicine or holistic body care or anything like that. Um, I would say my earliest roots were, I I did cultivate a love for plants at an early age, thanks to my parents, because we grew up on this plot of land that my parents got really into gardening over the years. And so I did help them and was able to kind of, you know, get my hands in the dirt from a really young age. So that was really nice. Um, I, you know, when I was, it wasn't until probably I was in uh, college that I really started taking an interest. And it was honestly, mostly my whole journey with herbalism and everything really did kind of start with my hair, my really thick Armenian hair. And I always had dry skin on the East Coast every winter growing up my skin was always so dry could never find anything that worked and I felt like all these I was trying so many different hair products and I felt like none of them worked for my hair like nothing that I was using in my hair was working even though I had like the whole you know half of CVS in my house so (laughs) I I was like there has to be a better solution for this and it was I was I did some traveling while I was uh, studying abroad in Europe in college and I remember having this moment where I was really just like there has to be one thing that I can be using in my hair so came back started from that trip and started making just like looking up recipes and experimenting making my own hair serums and body butters and for the first time I started you know looking into these natural ingredients and at the time um, my uncle had a health food store and I was working there still has one actually uh in Needham Massachusetts I was working there and so I was around these natural ingredients more and that was a really good source for me to kind of get immersed in um more holistic products was paying attention to the labels and then really was I, I technically established my line while I was a senior in college and was just doing more of like the body like skincare beauty stuff but then um started getting requests for more medicinal products like for pain and eczema and had no idea how to go about doing that and around the same time I was dealing with some health things like I always had sort of difficult digestion and I was having something happened with my skin and I knew that it was traced back to my digestion, but I couldn't, I didn't know how or why. And so I ended up enrolling this herbal apprenticeship in New Hampshire at a place called Misty Meadows. And it was very witchy and um, amazing. And we had to go out into the New England wilderness and identify, you know, over a hundred different types of plants and find them and make pressings. And we learned how to make infused oils and tinctures and teas and, after that, I was just hooked. Like that was that was sort of the jumping off point for me. And I realized, you know, I started seeing the effect that 
herbs had on my skin, on my body, and then also internally, that was really the first time that I connected with herbs and saw the benefit that they had on my health. Mm. Yeah, so that was kind of like the beginning. And then I basically spent the next decade, because that was in my early 20s, spent the next decade studying herbalism, moved to California, studied a little bit there, and then came here for grad school, um, went to Chinese medicine grad school here on Oahu and Honolulu, and, um, and then realized, you know, what an opportunity there was for my business to be here, because I didn't see at that time, that was eight years ago, I didn't see a lot of other local brands using really using local natural ingredients. And so that was, yeah, that was a long time ago. And um, have been kind of on the same journey since then. Mm. That's also that's such a cool story. And I just saw that you had your 10 year anniversary with your with your line. So you've been at this for a long time. And it seems to be a common theme that like, you know, a lot of that us that come to create our own paths do it out of um, something in our own journey, like a, a part of our healing that we were looking for answers and that we didn't find it until had to take it into our own hands and make it ourselves. Absolutely. So I love that that came from that place and that you had that um, mentality, like, I can fix this and I can explore and, you know, find the ways to do it myself versus like, because I think a lot of us feel like we're at the mercy of um, what's already out there when it comes yeah. to and, and the hearts are being thrown up. So <laughs> resonating, um, like the the idea of we're at the mercy of whatever's already out there. And a lot of what's out there in terms of beauty and like, adornment which I do believe is a a sacred ritual like being able to take care of yourself and um you know wear makeup and just like relate to your body in a way that is um like a way of reverence um but a lot of the products that are out there are just crap and they're like made by people who really don't care about the um the well-being of women and um and yeah so I'm curious about like your approach to to beauty products and medicinal products is that is that part of why you're passionate about it or what's like your what what lights you up about it yeah so i completely agree i you know so much of the beauty industry is made by people who really just don't care about our health um when you look at the ingredients of products there's so much flashy packaging to make people it's like almost an optical illusion to take you away from looking at anything but the ingredients list and in tiny font you know on the way back of the bottle um and it really is you know i don't spend enough time talking about all of the bad ingredients that are being used because i do like to focus on the good ingredients that i'm using but it's yeah so important to be aware of it because I had to go through that journey myself. You know, I was, when I was in high school and college, I was using all the different makeups and, you know, the different products that later I realized, you know, it's like, what are these ingredients? If you're looking and so that's okay. I should back up and say the number one thing I can recommend for when it comes to products that you're using both in and on your body is to read the ingredients. And if there's a bunch of ingredients on there that you have never heard of, you don't know what they are, they're probably not good for you. One of the things I realized early on was that 
you know, there's so many different ingredients in these products, but what our body really needs, like what our skin and hair really needs are mostly just, you know, natural cold pressed oils. We can use essential oils in, you know, moderation. They're not even really necessary for most things. Um, but we just need kind of like basic soap, cleansers, natural oils, and then anything on added to that, like we can get so much makeup products and botanical colors from plants. So there, there is a whole world of natural makeups and natural beauty. And then I would say, I mean, I don't want anyone to kind of go crazy after listening to this. You have stuff in your house, just use it up. And then the next time you buy something, use your ju best judgment, read the ingredients first before you buy anything. That's what I would recommend. Mm. And the reality is too, so many of these extra ingredients are in there to function as preservatives so that these products will last for, you know, two or three years on store shelves. They are emulsifiers so that you can blend ingredients that really don't necessarily mix well together, but to give it a specific texture. There are fragrances to give it a scent that is completely or mostly synthetic. Anytime you see natural fragrances or fragrances of any kind, those that's one of the banes of my existence. They're in so many things. Um, they are, can be made of anything. They're proprietary, it's proprietary information, what is in them, it's what's in fragrances. So you can't ever really know what kind of chemicals are in any fragrance. And generally, you know, a lot of fragrances, anything that's a, like a fruity smell that's not from a citrus or, um, you know, their flower, lots of floral scents. There's so many of them are natural fragrances. And, you know, scent is such an important part of our physiology. And it's processed in a different part of our brain. And it really is important to us and to our well being. And so I feel like mm. constantly putting on these different fragrances that are not, you know, it's they're pervasive and they're not good for us. So that's one category of, of negative ingredients. But yeah, I mean, I, you can really get everything that you need for your body from very basic ingredients. And that's kind of what I want the takeaway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So much goodness in there. Okay. So that's why one of the reasons that balance was in the title here, right? Like, Nobody go crazy and just think like it's black or white. However, I love that you're talking about like how some things um, are meant to almost trick us. It's like it's called natural fragrances when it's not necessarily natural ingredients. Right. And then we look at a line like you like right now I'm wearing your all over moon oil. I was like, yeah. oh, I'm going to put this on for a conversation. <laughs> it smells so good. Uh, I don't know how to describe what it smells like, but it's called the moon moon oil. So I now associate that smell with the moon. Um, <laughs> and I think that, um, you know, senses, senses, I like when I teach around sensuality, I like to be really literal about that. Like our senses ground us into the present and having senses that are um, also like they, they must tap into ancient parts of ourselves that are, um, you know, that we're not necessarily in touch with. 
Um, but I would love if you could talk about some of the natural ingredients that you do use in your products, um, since we already kind of talked about the ones that we don't, well, we didn't specify the ones we don't really want, but we want to focus on what we do really want, because there's like, <laughs> So many that we don't want, and they're all in CVS. But what do you use in your line? Yeah, and I would say, like, instead of talking about all the, like, there's so many different types of the ingredients that we don't want, but anything I would say that has a chemical name, you know, a name that you've never heard of, like, you don't need it. Um, I, so I use, that's a kind of simple rule. I love that. So simple. And it's yeah. Like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, if you don't know what it is, like, you don't need it. Um, my, so I use a lot, my, so like I said earlier, I have more of like a dry skin type, a thick, dry hair type. So I use a lot of really nourishing plant oils. I have local macadamia oil that I use, local sunflower I use an organic uh, olive oil from California, organic coconut, virgin olive, uh, virgin coconut oil. And um, those are the base, those serve as the base for a lot of my products. I also use really nice beeswax and shea and cacao butters, which are both really reparative. So all of the oils really help to you know, improve the elasticity of the skin. They help to hydrate on a really deep level. They all have slightly different textures and properties, but in general, they're very nourishing. They really, you know, soak in and help keep our skin in good condition. Um, and the beeswax is used also, it's an emollient, so it has kind of a similar effect. And then in terms of solves and bombs, it helps them it's kind of like a natural preservative and then it also helps them carry more deeply into the skin. Uh, I use a lot of the cacao and shea butters, like I was saying, and those are really, can be really regenerative to skin tissue. I use the shea butter um, in, you know, my savior salt for eczema, which really helps to calm and soothe irritated skin and inflammation. And then I use a lot of herbs. So I do try to source as many ingredients locally within Hawaii as possible. And I grow a lot of them in my garden. I, I grow a lot of the more unique medicinal herbs in my garden, and then I collaborate with a lot of different farms. But um, mm. some of my favorite medicinal herbs to use that I, that I get locally are turmeric, which is great for inflammation and calming the skin. I use that in almost all of my products also really great for pain. So it's in my pain healer solve and my blue moon balm for menstrual cramps. And I use comfrey, which helps, you know, regenerate skin tissue as well. That's in my pain healer solve and in some of my face serums. Um, and let's see, there's so many, there's so many different herbs that I use every product, all my herbal solves have sort of a different, different types of herbs in them that they all have different properties. Some of them help, like I said, relieve inflammation, repair tissue, um, calm the skin. I use a lot of mugwort. I grow a lot of mugwort, go to cola. Um, I use aloe vera, roses. And I also use essential oils in small quantities in certain products. So the moon all over oil that you were talking about that has, um, Pikake oil, jasmine oil, and Hawaiian sandalwood essential oil. 
Mm. And so there's a few products that are more for adornment and aromatherapy, and those have essential oils. And then I do use essential oils for some of their medicinal purposes. Like my head tonic is has lavender and peppermint and rosemary, and that's to relieve headaches. And you know, it, they help open up your vessels and uh, cool the cooling on contact. And that really helped my brother who has oh, migraines. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's like been a long time customer favorite. <laughs> mm. Yeah, there's so many luscious, like powerful products that I've tried from you. Especially like I love the um the matcha face mask. Yeah, the matcha color mask. And they're all like, I mean, you hear the ingredients if you're listening. It's like they're all things that you have heard of before there's no mystery pronunciations or like strange sounding things yes. and um i mean it seems pretty straightforward but we've gotten so far from believing that these simple natural things can actually work and and we see that they do and it's um you know it's it's so simple but it, we've gotten so far from it um, but I love that you're you're bringing us back to it and you're reminding us of the power of these simple ingredients and how local, how much more local can you get than your own backyard oh, yeah. your own garden? That's so amazing. So cool to hear. Thanks. So like when we talk about, um, maybe we can shift a little bit to talking about things that we put in the body because I know that you're a licensed herbalist and um um, something that we've been talking about a while over the the years that we've known each other is um, rep reproductive health and womb health, which is something that I'm really passionate about. And um, I'm interested in um, just hearing a little bit about maybe some specific herbs or any experience that you've had around womb health that relates to herbalism. Um, yeah, kind of open-ended and open-ended question. Yeah, so um, I, and we've, as we've talked about before, I, you know, I experienced painful periods for most of my adult life. The first day of my period was always extremely painful. Um, I kind of just dealt with it, honestly, without really trying to change anything until honestly, it was our conversation that you and I had a couple years ago, we had a really powerful conversation and uh, about what we you know, where we were with our cycles. And you were, I felt like you were putting a lot of energy into really getting yours to a better place. And I felt felt so inspired by that. Because even though I'm an herbalist, you know, and I'm treating other women for period pain, I had never really gone deep within myself and try spent so much time and energy trying to figure out okay how can I fix this for myself instead of just kind of putting up with it and so after that conversation I really started trying to figure out what I needed to do and what I could do I started taking um some specific formulas that are really they're Chinese medicine formulas, but um, kind of like the one I was taking mostly during my period, it's like a cinnamon formula. It's very warming. It helps blood circulation, helps kind mm. of the stagnation that's happening to move and flow, th flow out. And 
I was taking that formula and I started taking other formulas. So actually, normally when we're treating women, we can treat each week of this, each phase of the cycle differently. And that's kind of the most effective way in some cases or many cases to treat where we're giving one formula for the period, formula mm. for, you know, the follicular phase, for the ovulation phase, for the luteal phase. And, you know, they each have different... Um, different purposes so you know we're moving blood during the period we're tonifying during ovulation um so i started taking formulas to try to get to the to help what was happening but i realized that i wasn't getting to the root so another thing mm -hmm. we also talk about a lot in herbalism is like the root and the branch so what is the branches that the symptoms that we're experiencing and the root is like okay what is the true cause of what's going on so why am i having this in the first place and almost always the root is you know a dietary imbalance or and or a lifestyle imbalance so for me i had to really kind of get to the bottom of what was going on with my digestion because like I said earlier, I always had difficult digestion. And I, you know, I realized that there were other, it's like affecting so many different things in my body, not just my period. I had, I experienced a whole range of other symptoms like heart palpitations and insomnia and bladder pain honestly all these different things in my late 20s that started coming up and it all came back to my digestion and what i started to realize is that basically even though i was eating a really healthy diet quote unquote it was i was not eating the right foods for my body and mm. basically what i was experiencing were micro food intolerances and so i got my diet to a really good place but then the final, I would say, you know, it's always an evolving journey, but the final adjustment that I made was cutting out almost all sugar. And that was monumental. Um, mm. It's made such a huge difference. Like last month, my most recent period, I was almost pain free. Like I would normally have like eight or nine out of 10 cramping pain. And the past year has been like a one or two for like, you know, it's like comes and goes, but it's really mellow and it's very bearable. I didn't even take any herbs in my last period because I was like, I don't need them. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> so that was just like a, such a radical shift. And it was honestly not easy because I realized I am a total sugaraholic. I mm. grew up you know, with my mom making really delicious, nourishing, healthy foods, and my dad, like, bringing home American sugary cereals. And so yeah. I, had, I had a bit of both worlds, but I think eating sugar, and it wasn't even that crazy, but I think just the amount that I was e eating, you know, having cereal as a regular breakfast food, like, and that created, like, this sugar dependency in me. And when I finally cut it out, and I also, I should say, like, I experienced candida, like, all these other things as a result of this, like, sugar imbalance, cutting out the sugar was, like, 
the, you know, the cherry on top of the <laughs> non-sweet and sweet cake. I really, <laughs> um, that really was like monumental for me. And so that's oh. what I, you know, now I, when I work with women on their periods, like one of the main things that I try to have them do is work on diet and then work on, you know, getting their sugar cut way back. Yes. Oh my gosh. Wow. It is so exciting when I hear somebody who's on the other side of tremendous period pain because I am too. And it's like, I can say that now with 100% confidence. It used to come and go, but I'm, I'm celebrating five periods with zero period pain. Like, wow. And I used to also have it's huge. Congratulations to you. You, you, and we were both like eight, you yeah. said eight or nine. I would say like I was consistently eight. I mean, I've never had a child, so I don't have anything to compare it to in terms of pain. I can't say that either. Yeah. <laughs> right. But like in terms of what I've experienced in my life, that shit was an eight. That was, it was so painful and excruciating. And I just think that like, it's not, um, I'm done with normalizing period pain. Like, Yes. We, so many of us experience it and has become normal, but it is not necessarily normal for for the majority of women to be suffering through their cycles. Like that is not what we came here to do. That is not natural, you know, for that much pain to be experienced. Absolutely. I feel like that that is such an um like an important point is that we have normalized period pain. And why is that? And I feel like even for me. It took me so long to work on my own period because I feel like I had normalized my period pain. You know, I had just taken as something that I need to suffer through every month. And instead, you know, even my education in Chinese medicine school, it's like, yeah, if you're, you know, your, your period shouldn't be like that. It should be, you know, a time of rest, a time where we get to relax, keep our wombs warm. Um, but it shouldn't be very painful or painful at all necessarily. And so when I'm actually treating a woman for or a person who's menstruating for literally anything, I'm asking very detailed questions about their period because it's such a good indicator of what's going on in their body. If they have a period that's, you know, very heavy or scanty or, you know, the color of the blood, like so much of it can, it's sort of a, creates a little snapshot, like of everything that's yeah. going on in our bodies. Totally. That's something that um, Dr. Dr. Lara Bryden talks about often um, as like the period as, um, um, how does she phrase it? I just like slipped right out of my head. But Lisa Hendrickson Dad calls it the fifth vital sign. And um, oh, L Dr. Laura Bryden calls it the, um, there it goes again. What the hell? Calls mm. it um, <laughs> the report card for our health. Yeah, we can see so much about our periods and our, like, we can learn so much about our overall health from looking at our cycle. Yeah. It's so true. And, um, we do have matching earrings. I know, uh, <laughs> not planned. I thought about that as we were talking before. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, um, there's so much that we can learn about our overall health from looking at our cycles and um, that we can have 
healthier cycles as possible. Like when I was in the the height of the pain that I was experiencing, I didn't even believe it was possible. Like I was asking people like, do you know anyone who doesn't have pain? Like, is it even possible? Like, and you know, I would get questions like, well, isn't it supposed to be kind of a painful experience because there's blood involved? I'm like, I don't believe it. I can't, oh, I cannot accept it. I can't accept it. Um, yeah. So, so, okay. Where was I going with this? Um, when it comes to sugar, I love that we're, we're talking about sugar. When you said that as well, that sugar has such a huge impact for you. I also reexamined sugar for myself and these last couple of cycles, like my period has been even more amazing because I was like, I, I drew back on the sugar and, you know, I think it's something that I see with clients a lot too, that sugar impacts um, their premenstrual phase a lot. Like um, sugar for me makes me feel depressed the days mm -hmm. after. And wow. I feel extremely low, like um, sad and also like just, ups you know, just bleak. And I noticed that after, you know, after the holidays one year, like I had a bunch of sugary sugary things for Thanksgiving and like I had this leftover pie that I just kept eating and I wasn't eating enough like um, greens or food to balance it out too which is also a problem but um, and you know like just having your blood sugar level increase and decrease like that so drastically is not it's not good for you it's it's um, it wreaks havoc and um, something that you said that was interesting too was from a Chinese medicine perspective around blood and sugar and um like thickening blood thickening what was it that you said oh yeah again? like when you are eating sugar it basically makes your it, you know it goes into your blood and it makes your blood more like syrup and when you think about your blood being syrupy and then trying to bleed it out during your period mm. like no wonder it's painful you know there's it's causing inflammation it's not flowing as it should be yeah, right. I, I had a friend say that, a fellow colleague say that to me, and that just stuck with me. And, you know, I, I feel like it's so, like, sh when you think about sugar, and you think about how our ancestors were eating, which is something that I think about a lot, because, you know, that we've gotten, our American diet has become so confused, we don't know what to eat. Um, our ancestors were probably eating so little sugar. You know, they had probably almost no sources of refined sugar. Maybe they had a little bit of honey every now and then, but no refined sugar whatsoever and probably small quantities of fruit because sweet fruit was probably relatively rare. And I'm not even talking that mm -hmm. long ago. I'm talking like, you know, 150 years ago, like our great, great grandparents' generation they probably and everyone before them, you know, probably had so little sugar. So when we think about what our bodies can tolerate, we're, we didn't evolve to tolerate lots of sugar. And that's, that's kind of a takeaway point that I think when it comes down to diet and body care is, you know, these, we evolved for our bodies to metabolize certain types of certain types of ingredients, like not you know foods that were around us natural plants you know and when you introduce like in the past hundred years 
we've introduced so many chemicals into our body care, into our food, into our environment. And mm. it's just, you know, how much can our bodies really tolerate? I feel like we do have a lot of exposure to all kinds of toxins. I try not to think about it, you know, but I feel like whatever, whatever I can mitigate by being really careful about what I put inside my body and on my body, you know, that's just, I feel like we just are, our bodies are designed to metabolize natural ingredients from the earth. Mm. Yes. And it just comes down to that. That's such like it encapsulates it so well. Um, just look at what, um, what is natural and what has come through our, like what our ancestors were, were ingesting and eating, but also like, yeah. And also since this last, you know, word in our title here is balance, it's something that I want to address too, because um, as women, we are raised being very vigilant, hyper vigilant about what we eat for reasons that not necess that aren't necessarily about health. And they're more about control, uh, you know, controlling um, the the patriarchy has just been controlling women's bodies and teaching us that certain things are acceptable. And I think that a lot of us grow up policing ourselves around what we eat in an unhealthy way. Like I come from a background of disordered eating um, mm -hmm. and I myself like have used healthy eating as a way of like, um, Con controlling myself as well like it's mm -hmm. been a difficult to find a balance where I'm like okay I can participate in these festivities and have this um sugary stuff and you know and where's the line like for myself I've had to explore where's the line for myself because um yeah I don't I don't want it to be another thing that I use to and, and I'm at a much healthier place in terms of my relationship with eating and my relationship with balance but I think a lot of people are still on that journey and um, I'm curious for you like what your thoughts on that are like what how do we find a, pl a good place of balance with things that we know aren't necessarily good for us but maybe maybe have become part of like a um a tradition in terms of mm -hmm. you know community and just living in in america um, <laughs> yeah. i know it's a hard question and it's something that you know i continue to think about because i don't want people to take away from this that they're bad for eating sugar or like feel horrible about themselves or feel shame like i'm not about shame like fuck shame you know i don't want yeah, anybody totally. to come away from this feeling ashamed about their habits but i also think it's an important thing like when we think about you know re maybe re thinking how we treat ourselves like like the idea of treating ourselves a lot of that comes to um the idea of snacks and like <laughs> yeah. treating ourselves to dessert treating ourselves to these luxuries and some of them are luxuries and sometimes we want to indulge but also like how can we find a balance and it's a, it's again it's an open-ended question because i don't think there's any one answer for it per se but what's your approach to that yeah, I mean, I resonate with a lot of what you say, what you said about finding, you know, where is the line? And I honestly feel like it's, it's different for everyone. Um, you know, I know some people, for instance, can tolerate more sugar than others. And for me, what it's come down to is, you know, I want to 
feel healthy every day. I want to feel like I have enough energy, like I slept well, my body feels good. And so in mm. my life, I've just really tried to cultivate a healthy daily ritual and diet that allows me to feel good about what I'm eating, you know, and also, you know, I talked about the digestive stuff before I have a very low tolerance for foods that are not the right thing for my body. And that can be a lot of different things. But I, I've reached this point where I'm not really interested in compromising that all the time. I'm not really interested in compromising feeling well. And especially mm. like I mentioned all those different issues that I dealt with over my twenties, you know, and staying for, for me, staying in balance is really about taking care of myself every single day. And, you know, that means when I take care of myself and I feel good, if I go ever again to a party <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah and here we are in 2021 but you know if i go out or have the opportunity to eat something that isn't within my normal diet i can eat it and not feel bad like my body feels strong enough that i'm able to digest it and not have an issue but mm. i also do i do think that like what you're saying about like treating yourself like i feel like treating yourself and self-care have be have become conflated with taking care of yourself. And I think mm. at the end of the day, what we each need to do is take care of ourselves. And for me, that means, you know, having a lifestyle that allows you to feel good about your digestion, feel good about your energy levels, feel like your body is strong. And so whatever you need to do every day to cultivate that diet do it on a regular basis so that when the opportunity arises that you can, you know, kind of do whatever you want and not feel bad about it. And mm. even in terms of like, you know, it's so interesting. I feel like I spent so much of my 20s doing crunches, trying to get my abs to look better. And they look the best they've ever looked now because I'm not bloated all the time. I used mm. to be basically bloated all the time. And now my stomach feels flat because I don't have digestive distress. So mm. that's digestion is like a whole huge topic that I'm really going to be dedicating this year to educating on. I'm doing a webinar mm. next week and I'm doing sharing blog posts and I work with women one-on-one, -on -one, but I really would say like, if you're experiencing any kind of distress, you know, any kind of inflammation, honestly, anywhere in your body, the diet is the first place I would look because yes. you may have some kind of, you know, you maybe have, small food intolerances that are accumulating or something's going mm. on there that's worth looking yes at. yeah and it's like even mental and emotional inflammation you know like that yes. counts as well and i think if we want to be in a place of empowerment you know it's really hard to believe in yourself believe that you can do anything and you know want to achieve and kick ass in whatever you're doing or just like even just feeling comfortable in your skin if there's something that is constantly irritating and inflaming your body and like yes just putting a wedge in between you and your relationship to yourself and I think that 
when I when I approach like um, well being wellness, it's like, do I want to feel sustained physical, mental, emotional health versus you know the pleasure of an indulgence and 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 that and I do allow myself that like you said, I do allow myself, um, you know, a piece of cake here or there, like (laughs) some wine here or there, but it's not like a thing that, that is an everyday thing because I, I respect that I want to live a stable, happy life where I feel in alignment. And I think that is the most empowering, that has been the most empowering thing about just approaching my, my diet in a way that I can respect that, that it is respecting my body that I'm in a, in a place of respect with myself and it feels good. Like it, it feels better than not feeling good. <laughs> like yes, I, exactly. I feeling sick. I just, I, I will do anything to not feel sick. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think that is kind of all that I wanted to covered today i'm i'm i would love for you to share about how we can find you and like um how we can support you and if there's anything that you want to share about that is um you know any new products or anything that you're excited about and you want to share about for my listeners okay um yeah so everyone can find me at indigo elixirs on instagram i-n-d-i-g-o-e-l-i-x-i-r-s uh, you can go to indigoelixirs.com and see all of my apothecary offerings. Uh, I do mostly body care and might be expanding a little bit in the coming months to some other wellness items. Um, and I also do one-on-one wellness consultations uh, specifically for digestive health, skin health, and cycle health. And so that's something, if you go to the wellness section on my website, you can find out more about that. Um, As for new products, I release new products like almost every month. I do a lot of seasonal and limited batch stuff. I just started um i make working on my lunar and solar glow face potions i'm doing a pre-order right now and those are going to be ready within the next couple weeks uh those are super nourishing uh, daytime and nighttime serum to protect Mm. against sunlight and then to repair your skin um yeah, and I also have a journal on my website, and I'm looking forward to sharing more wellness content on there in the coming. Mm, yes, there's so much good information on there. Yeah. Yes. Thanks. So thank you for sharing all of that. Please do check out Deanna's products and line. It is so nourishing. There's so much good information on your journal. <laughs> and um and yeah, thank you for listening in on this conversation. Um, and this actually will be featured um, in, on my podcast, the Sea Empowered Podcast, as an episode in the coming weeks. And you'll have it there to revisit if you missed any parts of it and you want to hear the whole thing. And um, and yeah, I teach around pussy empowerment. I'm not sure who's in here, who's like following me or following you, but um, I teach around pussy empowerment and I'm really just excited to have more conversations around all of that that entails like a holistic approach, mind, body, spirit, emotion, because it's all relevant in empowerment. And I think it's like, so, you know, a lot of times we talk about it as like such an intangible thing, but there are practical steps that we can take that are tangible, like treat your body with, treat your body well, 
respect, like understand what you're putting in it and on it and do it in a way that you're in integrity with, um, you know, with, with what nature intended and with what feels good and feels right to you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. This was a great conversation. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. And yeah, looking forward yes. to continuing the conversation. Yeah, such a good conversation. I can geek out on this stuff forever. So I'm <laughs> happy to, to get to talk to you about it. And, yeah, same. Yeah, thank you so much. So thank much you, Alyssa. Who's still with us yeah, here. thank you, everyone who tuned in. Yeah, we'll see you soon. Mwah. Mwah. See you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening in. I hope you found this chat insightful. As always, you can find more info about Deanna and her magical indigo elixirs in the show notes. If you feel inspired, please help me spread the word and share this episode with a friend or leave a five-star review. And if you're curious to heal your own cycle, as we spoke a lot about in this episode, you're invited to join me next week for a pussy-empowered masterclass on cycle prowess. In this two-hour class on Friday, January 29th, 2021, I'll share the approach that transformed my own relationship with my cycle. You'll take away practical ways to live and flow, embody your truth, and set yourself free. And by the way, I only do one-off workshops once in a while, and I'm about to share life-changing information in this one, so you really don't want to miss it. To learn more about this class, you can find a link in the show notes as well. Hope to see you there. Until next time. <laughs>